0: 26 verse 36 then jesus went with his disciples to a place called gethsemane and he said to them sit here while i go over there and pray he took peter and two sons of zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled then he said to them my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep a watch with me Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if this is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And from chapter 27, verse 45. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani," which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest said, Leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And then Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And from chapter 27, verse one, or 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will all see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord.
1: I speak to God. Amen. <clears throat> so we're now coming from you from the garden <laughs> tomb in Jerusalem.
0: Move away so you see it.
1: And I just wanted to show this because um, we don't know for certain that this was, but it um, it's certainly in the area and there's a, there's a, a strong likelihood. But, uh, you know, this is what our faith is based upon. This is what the Christian message is all about ultimately is Jesus's victory over death. That he conquered the tomb, that the stone was rolled away, and the tomb was empty, and this is what greeted the disciples. Well, the, the women initially, and uh, then subsequently to that, as they shared the good news, uh, the disciples came and ran and found it to be so. And for each one of us, um, in a way, our faith is a journey towards this realization that uh, that the Lord has won a victory over sin, sickness, death. All that the enemy would want to do to destroy the life of God. And God's invitation to all of us is to enter into life. And that's what I wanted to just talk about briefly this morning. Um, Obviously, coming out of this resurrection message about this invitation to pass over into life and how we do that. Now, you are not in control. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Many of us wish we were, don't we? And if there's anything, these these circumstances around COVID-19, as shown to us, a, is the frailty of humankind, our limitations. Like Jesus himself said, can any one of you, for all your worrying, add a single moment to your span of life? So why do we try? Why do we worry things into existence? I'll try to. Because in a way, in Christ, they're actually we have been set free from the need to control or to try and steer our life and the agenda of our lives. Okay. And one of the problems is when we try to take that control back and retain it, we actually slow the flow of life of the Spirit. It's when we think that we deserve something or we uh, expect something to happen or, we, in fact, we need certain things to happen, we actually set ourselves up for constant unhappiness and actually very often an inability to enjoy what is going to happen anyway because we end up resisting almost everything at some level and it's actually a terrible way to live. Giving up control is really God's school to teach us about union, oneness, about compassion and empathy and understanding, and ultimately love. It's actually the school of the finding, letting go that we call death. Now, at one level, Jesus shouldn't have had to have died so young, so seemingly unsuccessful in the world's eyes. After all, how many were following him? Most of them had turned away from from him. Only a few were left. He was the son of God. This doesn't make sense. But in, doing, in allowing this to happen, Jesus was showing us something, I think, very significant. And I want to just look, particularly at the, the latter part of his life, which is when we have most of the, the story recorded for us, the instances and ways in which we see Jesus, in a way, relinquishing control, yielding the control of his life to another. Even at the Last Supper, he takes a towel, He strips down and he kneels and washes his disciples' feet. At one level, we find this quite hard, but it's not really as shocking as it would have been to the culture of the day for him to serve, to do a menial task like this. This was shocking, but this was humility in action. Jesus said of himself, I am among you as one who serves. And I've done this as an example to you that you will follow. And so a part of our relinquishing control is actually to serve. To serve the needs of others. If we're married, to serve our spouse as a priority. If we have a job, to serve our boss as an example. To serve one another in love. Servanthood. Jesus also yields to betrayal by a close friend. Judas Iscariot, the one who dips his bread in the same cup as all his friends. Jesus knew about this. He knew about Judas. And yet still, he yields to him. And ultimately, Jesus is left by all of the disciples. He's even betrayed and rejected by his whole people. And from the cross, he chooses to forgive. When we've been betrayed, is it in our heart to forgive? When we're hurt, is our first thought to forgive? This is a sign of yielding. This is a sign of relinquishing control and allowing the flow of the life of God. Jesus also surrenders ultimately to the will of the Father in the garden. As he goes to that place and he's wrestling in his humanity and thinking, I don't want to do this. I can't do this it says that he sweat drops of blood such was the stress upon him and he wanted this cup to be removed you know it's interesting if you go to that that the region where that garden was um it's an easy exit into the wilderness and away from jerusalem he could have easily um skipped away and escaped this but his calling was to sacrifice This was another expression of his surrendering and yielding, control. He sacrificed, and he invites us too to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Some of us will sacrifice family, lands, possessions, other priorities. We follow the one who gave up everything. He also submits to an unjust trial before The Jewish authorities and before the Roman authorities, Pilate, the one who could find no wrong. And he did that without defending himself. He knew God could do that. In fact, he expressed that to Pilate, but that was another part of his surrendering of control. I wonder if you've ever been treated unfairly, disrespected, misunderstood. And we want to, we want to right the wrong, don't we? We want to justify. We want to defend. We want to fight back at times. I've known some of the pain of being cheated on by friends. I've actually had a close friend steal a significant amount of money from me. And um, there's a part of us rises up, but a part of the call of God is to entrust things to him and his life flow, not our own. Jesus succumbs to painful beating, the lashing of The cat of nine tails, which often killed people, but it left them just within inches of death. The humiliation, the nakedness of the cross, and the excruciating death by crucifixion. Most of us won't be called to suffer in this way, but what a powerful example of the the Lord of life surrendering control. And on that cross, he embraces... The place of God-forsakenness for the very first time in all eternity. The cry of dereliction. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the ultimate holocaust. The dark night of the soul. Many people go through this. It's often a time of more confusion than clarity. Darkness than light. And yet it's very often in that place that we realize something about what it means to give up control, what it means to entrust ourselves into the Father's hands. And we see an aspect of God at work that uh, when things are going smoothly, we're not always in touch with. Finally, on the cross, Jesus utters the words, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Now, this is the same God that he thought wasn't there that's what happens to all of us, you see, when we're under stress. Where's God? We assume he's left, but he's not. And at the point of dying, Jesus entrusts the final letting go to the God who had seemed absent, but the one nevertheless in whom he trusted would raise him from the dead. Because he knew that was the father's desire. He knew that the father had power to do that. And this is the journey on which he invites all of us. Now, yielding is the key to life. It's not the world's way, but it is the Christian way. It's the the Christ way. It's the way to resurrection, to salvation, to freedom from both the power of sin and the guilt and stain of sin. And to be set free, to experience this flow of new life. There's no resurrection without crucifixion. Something has to die. And this is the will. This is the need to be in control for us to receive the gift and to walk it out in our lives today. Jesus said, anyone who chooses to do the will of God. So here is the surrendering will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own to receive the revelation. You see, we have to first surrender control to pass on to the deeper life and to say, like samuel yes lord speak for your servant is listening this is our faith this is what it means to trust in the goodness of god this actually is the key as we've been reflecting on wednesdays this is a key to our spiritual transformation into likeness. and so the question is are you committed to yielding in this way as jesus said is your very spiritual food to do the Father's will and not your own. Now, this this surrendering to the, the flow of life that comes through the Spirit, it's not about giving in. It's not about capitulating, becoming a puppet or naive and irresponsible with our lives. It doesn't mean either that we stop any kind of planning or thinking about life. But it's um, the surrender is about a, an inner peace. It's about opening ourselves up from the inside out in a way. So that this life of God, this this flow of the spirit, the water of life that Jesus promises to each one of us can flow. Not just into us, but actually from us. Out of usual flow, flow rivers of living water, Jesus says in John's Gospel. Every time we surrender to love, and we can't love without surrender. Every time we do that, we've chosen to die. Every time we let love orient our lives, we're we're letting go of a part of ourselves as this autonomous, independent self. And we've given something of that self away to another, to something, to someone else. And it's not something that can be easily retrieved unless we choose to stop loving. And sadly, many do all warm, that the love of many will grow cold. But even in that place, I'm, I'm thankful that God is merciful and patient and kind. So as we enter into the celebration of this Easter Sunday, I want to um, invite you to a prayer of yielding. And when we first come to Christ, that's a surrendering. We, we turn to Christ as both Savior, the one who died for our sins and the power of sin in our lives to set us free, Uh, but we also yield to him as Lord because we believe his word and his teaching bring us life to serve him, to follow him. But of course, we spend the rest of our lives realizing what it truly means to yield to that and what needs to be put to death as a consequence. So I want us to pray and just ask the Lord and for him to speak and for, in a way, to pray that prayer of Samuel and for him to continue to reveal what now needs to die what needs to be released into his control and out of our own just consider your life right now the the relationships in your life the circumstances of your life the um, um, things that weigh upon you any unanswered questions or confusions any critical um, situations any struggles that you're going through and that may well be the very place at which the lord is inviting you into a depth of surrender and trust in him and in his resurrection power and flow of life that he wants to release through you into the lives of others, into the body, into the world, in fact. This is not only about our transformation, but it's about the transformation of the whole world of which we are all playing a part by the grace and glory of God. So let's just be quiet for a moment and let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do his work, to reveal his truth. Come Holy Spirit, we, your servants, are listening.